Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 79. Today we're talking about personal branding, what it is, what it's not, and why my guest thinks many people are approaching it in the wrong way. Who better to talk about this topic than Ash Jones? Ash is the founder of personal branding agency, Great Influence. Ash is the person who started working with Stephen Bartlett on his personal brand back in the days when he founded his social media agency, Social Chain. Stephen has obviously gone on to become one of the most influential voices in entrepreneurship. Let's go over to the introduction now. I'm delighted to have Ash Jones on the show today. Ash is the founder of personal branding agency, Great Influence. Prior to that, he was one of the founding members of the agency Social Chain, where he helped Stephen Bartlett build his personal brand and become one of the most well-known influential thought leaders of our time. Stephen is now a dragon on BBC's Dragon's Den. He's host of the most downloaded podcast, The Diary of a CEO and author of Sunday best-selling book, Happy Sexy Millionaire. Ash also, as if that wasn't enough, he also works with other celebrity clients, including entrepreneur, broadcaster, and former Manchester and England football player, Gary Neville, founder of nutrition company, Huel, Julian Hearn, author and journalist, Matthew Syed, and one of LinkedIn's top voices, and now MD of social chain, Katie Leeson. So welcome, Ash. Pleasure to be chatting to you as always. Honestly, that is quite a impressive introduction. So would you mind by starting and telling us just a couple of minutes on your background and how you ended up working at Social Chain? To take it right back, I was unemployed. I was on Job Seekers Allowance at like 23, 24 for a couple of years and then decided after a promise I made to my mum to sort myself out, I decided to go study marketing because I'm a Man City fan and I saw a like behind the scenes video that they posted online about like the social media team. And I thought, oh, I'd love to do that. So then I went and studied marketing, did that for a couple of years. Whilst I was studying marketing, I was looking around to try find something to do alongside studying. And that's how I met Stephen Bartlett. He was 18. He just dropped out of university. So it was like, very fortunate timing. And then started working with him on his first startup, which was called Warp, with him and Don McGregor at the time, who's co-founder of Social Chain with Steve. And then everything kind of like snowballed from there, went into Social Chain and yeah, wild ride. Wow. Just a quick note, it's, it's a bit detailed, but when you said you studied marketing, was that the Chartered Institute of Marketing or was there any? Yes. It was. So I did a Chartered Institute of Marketing course first. And then I went and did a one year foundation degree, one or two years foundation degree, because I didn't have a qualified, I had one GCSE and no A levels. So I did the Chartered Institute of Marketing first, foundation degree, and then into university proper. Interesting. Just before I jump into what it was like working with Stephen and building his brand, do you think for marketers in general that work in agencies, not everybody has received kind of formal training? Mm. Do you think it's valuable to do some kind of 
training in marketing? I don't think I'm qualified to say because I was at the age where like I did all that studying and it all went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) So if I did it now, I'd have a different approach to it. But at the same time, like I was working with Steve at Warpark and then into social chain and what I was seeing and learning there versus what I was learning at the same time in lectures, one was immensely engaging and was in a world where I could apply the understanding whilst I was trying to learn knowledge about it for the first time. So I'm trying to learn about marketing for the first time. And I'm in a world at Warpark Social Chain with people doing things where I can apply it to something that makes sense to me, which Mm -hmm. is social media. Whereas marketing, when I was studying it, it was like, I remember having to do an essay on Tesco's like venture into America And I can't relate the foundational understanding that the lectures and essays were trying to give me through the example that they were like built on. So yeah, I think I'm not best place to say if I went back now, maybe. And it's also very rare that a student is going to, at the same time as studying, go through something like social chain. So I was just like a, yeah, a very, very rare case of a student. So you actually started with Stephen in Warpark. So talk to me through the transition from it becoming social change. So what happened? Why did it change? How big was it when you were Warpark? And what happened to shift it to social chain? So Warpark was an online notice board for students. That was the concept, which was like, I think Stephen, he was at university, dropped out. But when he went, he noticed that you know, the physical notice board in the university, like, oh, we need a player for a five-a-side and it'd go on the notice board. And he just thought, why is it physical? Why is it Mm -hmm. not online? So that was the idea. And the idea was to build a student community and then have brands like advertise on the website. And the way that Steve had brought to market, it was like, it well, everything was tried to be honest in terms of like, how would you market this website to students? It was like, I've got pictures of like Warpark flyers and things like that. So we tried all the traditional, but then social media just like it worked. And then it became a mission of like this social media thing, which at the time was Facebook works for helping us get people onto warpark.com. So how do we do that? And then we kind of went on this mission which was like where Don McGregor kind of came in and played like this huge role of being this guy who just was unbelievable at building these like online student communities and groups. And we used those communities and groups on social to drive them to wallpark.com. And then we were going to bring brands into wallpark.com. But then Steve thought, he was like, why have I got this thing in the middle? Wallpark.com. When we've got the students over here on social, on these big pages that we own, and communities and groups that we own. And then we've got brands over here. Why don't we just take out this bit and join them together? And then that became social chain. Wow. What was it like working with Stephen? It, yeah, you can imagine. Like, I now, um, I'm good at what I do and have the belief that I'm good at what I do purely by osmosis of, like, learning from even now like literally to this day still learning from him directly indirectly like when we speak when I watch what he does with 
what he's doing with his companies and his own brand. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And even at like 18, you could just tell there was like a, a way of thinking there that stood out in a room of people. Can you be more specific about maybe two or three things that really were a shift for you, you know, with his way of thinking? Um, always trying to do something that would stand out, like find a point of differentiation versus what everybody else is doing. And I'm thinking back to the very, very earliest things that he did, like within Warpark. And like, yeah, it was always trying to find something that stood out but worked that drove results. So it wasn't just about the standing out thing, you know, like you could do stunts and things like that and that can help you stand out. But it's like what stunt drives results was the thing in Burley War Park. So that and then his ability to like bring people on a journey of something so that I think of how the early people around War Park all behaved and it was like he had this natural ability, leadership, it's like to bring people on a journey like we thought War Park was like the single greatest mission that we were ever going to be on in our lives. (laughs) And that's something that you make people feel. And then just like pure work ethic, like unbelievable work ethic and probably like an understated one that wasn't a business thing, but has kind of underpinned everything that he's been about is like generosity. There was, I remember one of the earliest things was like, I couldn't afford to get the bus and we got on the bus and he paid for me to get on the bus and I didn't know this, but he couldn't afford the bus either. Oh. So, yeah, I'd say those four things, if I go way, way, way back to that start. I'm sure there's people listening, particularly agency owners, that almost want to bottle up what you just said and drink from it. Like making the team feel and get behind you on the same mission. What was his magic formula for doing that? It's You can't, you can't train it. It's just a thing, like we work with a client of ours now, uh, John Amici, and he runs a business called APS Intelligence, or APS Intel, sorry. And he used to be a basketballer in the NBA, and he's now like a psychologist. And I listen to him speak, and he just has a way with words that you can't, like, I don't see in anyone else. It's so rare, like the way with words that he has. And it's that, that the Steve has. He's got a way with words and a way of articulating himself. And those two things combined, if your use of language and your use of articulation are at a very high level, then you're always going to stand out, I think. And that's definitely something that Steve and still has now, like you watch it on Dragon's Den, how he speaks and articulates himself. It's very compelling and engaging and draws people in. Do you know what? That's really interesting that you say that. I think it's very useful for people to hear that from you, particularly leaders that want to emanate that. But interestingly, on your website, there's a video of Stephen talking about what is personal branding and why it's so important. And he actually says, I have become a better communicator through, you know, sharing my personal brand. So it's taken years of practice, but now I feel so much more confident, but it's through practice. So actually, I think there's quite an inspiring message there for anyone listening that is trying to lead a team. And maybe that's a compelling reason to do personal branding. Yeah. You said it, he said it before on his podcast about how 
the great thing about doing the podcast it's a commitment to like sharpening his sword in terms of articulating himself and also being on camera he said in a world where everything is going digital and video to be comfortable on camera is like a really valuable skill and the knock-on effect of doing that within business like if you're able to articulate yourself better because you're writing down your ideas to turn them into content to use for your own linkedin you then take that skill of trying to take a thought, articulate it to yourself, turn it into an idea that engages an audience. You take that into business, into a pitch, into the client meetings, all these things. And he's like living proof of that, where the first video that we ever tried to film in 2015, maybe, it took him like six hours to do a two-minute video because he didn't have the practice he was doing it for the first time and now he can go on a full production set in front of 40 cameras and he doesn't need any practice because he's done it's like that idea of like ten thousand hours you've got to do your ten thousand hours and i found it personally like i couldn't speak when i first went to war park meetings and social chain meetings i couldn't say a word and then through watching like i'm very privileged to firsthand seeing how steve did it and built it and things like that. And you learn from that. And then also just from me repeating, doing it over and over again and all that kind of thing. I'm now like compared to where I was, not that I'm a a good or great speaker, but I'm much better than I was before. And it's literally just down to like practice and putting yourself out there and doing it. But the whole personal branding thing, I think it has a very huge knock-on effect on everything within business that isn't probably spoken about enough on the idea of like you're sharpening your ideas articulation your language all these things all the time as a result of doing it that then pulls into business in different conversations in different situations let's talk about personal branding because obviously you decided to start great influence so was that the natural next step for you when you left social chain i don't think i knew it at the time but it had to be there was no other. I think my thing was, I didn't think that you could do it for anybody, but like, I thought you needed a Stephen Bartlett to be able to do personal branding. So the idea of me going out and helping somebody else do it, I was like, well, I've never met anyone like him. So it's going to be hard for me to meet another one again and do it. And the whole four or five years of doing this now is like proving myself wrong on that aspect, that personal branding looks and sounds and feels and you know executes in different ways for different people so yeah i think i wasn't sure when i left social chain but then within a month i kind of started going in that direction and then from my own point of view i don't think i understood the amount of like valuable knowledge that i'd gained because to you it's normalized like i've been in that whole setting for five six years and the learning environment and all those things and it's normalized and you don't quite realize the thinking that you've attained from an experience or from a group of people or from an individual is heavily advanced in comparison with like 95 percent of the industry and i don't think i realized that until like way into this great influence journey and talking to people and ascertaining where their knowledge was in relation to what i knew and then you see what people do as well. And even now, like I'd see what 95% of people are doing when it comes to personal branding. And I'm like, that's so not anywhere near as advanced as 
where it can go. So then you're like, right, okay, yes, it's a no-brainer for me to be in this space because it'd be a shame. I don't know anything about anything else to the degree that I do about this thing as a result of the experiences that I've had and the people that I've learned from. So so I'm fascinated by this. I think everybody probably is waiting to hear what is the 5%? You know, Ash, paint a picture of what 95% of people think that personal branding is and perhaps give us a like an insight into what is that 5% that really makes the big difference and what made you so successful during those five to six years of working with Stephen? I don't think it's one thing. I think it's multiple things that end up pulling into the overarching. And like right now, I think something that's really prevalent that 95% of people are doing that doesn't make sense is like trying to be an influencer there's a lot of like entrepreneurs and founders and ceos and even like anyone within the career space and business trying to build a personal brand but what they're actually doing in execution is like pretending or trying to be an influencer because they're putting out content they know that it's going to do well that's why they've posted it rather than what brand am I trying to build? What direction is this trying to go in? What outcomes is it trying to help me drive? And then what they do on the execution side comes from that. But I can very clearly see that it's not, it's coming from the other side, which is this, it's like ego. And it makes sense to me when LinkedIn is like, LinkedIn's in its ascension as a platform for people. And therefore you're always going to have like fame, ego, influence is starting to build on that platform and people, it's all up for grabs. And if it's really easily attainable, which I think it is on a platform like LinkedIn, it then it's like the devil on your shoulder. Like, ah, yeah, you could post the thing that gets 15 likes that is actually what you want to build a brand in, but you could post that other thing that gets 900 likes <laughs> isn't that will satisfy your ego and help you build a bit of a following. So yeah, I think it's like, it's not just one thing. It's an accumulation of things over time that are around brand building, long-term plays, positioning, how you're positioning yourself and the perception that people are building of you, social proofing, human psychology, all these different elements that come into it that I think that 5% that get it right have a high index of a number of those things that it just you know, it it clicks in them in some way, shape or form. And yeah, I think that the 95%, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to articulate a bit, but yeah, there's so many things that I think it, it adds up to. But I guess it's the same in any walk of life. Like why the top 5% of musicians, the top 5%, they wouldn't say it's one thing. It's like, well, when it comes to songwriting, I can pick at least 10 things that I think I do that the 95% don't, that means that I write the best songs. And then how I market those songs and how I put an album together and how we do the live show and how we do this and how we do merch, how we do that. All these things accumulate to mean that that musician is in the top 5%. And again, it's like within business, why are the top 5% of entrepreneurs are top 5%? And they'd point to not one thing, but multiple things across the major areas that make up the whole pie. So yeah, I think it's the same within personal branding. I know you've got a bit of a wait list of people wanting to work with you, but when your clients want to work with you, what do they want 
to achieve? Can you give us a flavour of the type of people that come and what they say they want? Do you know what's funny? That they don't know. Interesting. So they don't know when you ask them, but they do know. Like everybody knows what outcomes they are looking for. I find that I or we have to like tease it out by asking the right questions. And a lot of people just, yeah, they don't know everything. Either they haven't started to build the personal brand yet and they're trying to therefore figure out what brand they're trying to build and like what's the framework around who they are and things like that. Or they've started doing it and they're actually succeeding heavily in doing it, but it's ad hoc and there's no ownership around it and there's no structure around it. There's no strategy or thinking and it's almost like a series of fortunate events. So yeah, it's, I think the role that we play is kind of helping maybe threefold the strategy initially, like that brand strategy, I say initially, it's always ongoing and developing because people are always developing. Like, you know, I'm not the same person I was six months ago and what matters to my business isn't the same as it was six months ago. So that branded strategy is always developing. But that's like the big one is, you know, what are they trying to do? Who are they trying to be? What are they trying to say? What's the direction of it? What purpose is it trying to serve? What do they want to achieve in doing it? And then the execution size, like very busy people with very little time, but a million ideas and like a great voice to build on. And, you know, any business leader who's successful in business and successful in their own personal brand cannot do it on their own. Like if you look at the biggest, they've got teams of 20 around them now. So yeah, it kind of speaks to, you know, you can't do this alone. So yeah, the strategy and then the execution side, helping them execute to a high degree. And then I'd say like a trusted ear and trusted advice. And you get to know them so deeply because you're working on them and the clients that we work with. Like I know some of them better than I know my own parents now. Wow. Because you get so used to how they talk, the things that they care about, all these things you're learning about them so deeply that you end up building like quite unique relationships with them. And they, in my experience, tend to be very trusted relationships. And I think the act of you handing your reputation over to somebody is an immensely precious thing. And then if that person does a good job, you can imagine how you then trust them implicitly. Mm. So yeah, I think the role that we play as well is like, even to their career decisions, being pulled into like things like that at times is a bit of a trusted, as I'm sure they have multiple people around them who they kind of, you know, get advice from or share things with just to see what they're thinking. And I think that's a bit of a role that we play as well. Would you advise other agency owners to take personal branding more seriously because you know in our industry you've got Stephen who started at social chain you've got Gary V Fainer Media so it is quite prevalent that we have these personalities yeah. and, and I think back in the day with certain advertising agencies you know they used to be the face of their agency so there are agency owners listening to this mm. what would your advice be to them Do you know what's really interesting that point that you make about like in older advertising, there was always like faces of advertising. And 
I feel like people might feel like personal branding is a new thing. It's not. It's just the term is new. Yeah. Whereas the actual execution of it has been happening for, you know, decades within marketing and advertising. And I think the fact that personal branding and the term and what has happened over the past couple of years, it's actually put a lot of people off doing it, which therefore to me creates an even bigger opportunity for those who ignore that and instead look at the underlying fundamentals and foundational elements that have been tapped into for decades and understand that it's a very important thing to do in the right way. And I think there's been a lot of like hate or people just, I don't know, they see personal branding and see people doing things for ego or it's like trying to be an influencer or it's just not something that they would do. And those things can get in your periphery and put you off. I feel like there's two sides to it where there's personal branding over here and there's personal branding over here. And the one over here is what a lot of people are doing that I don't think is good. I don't think it's the right thing to do. And it's it's almost like a different thing entirely. It's more trying to be liked and trying to be famous. And then over here, you have the one which is like gold dust to businesses. Forget to the individual. It's even more gold dust to the individual in terms of your long-term career, but to the business that they're running, it's like gold dust to them, which is like understanding the underlying fundamentals of what this is and how it can help achieve key outcomes that you've got, either as an individual or as an individual within a business. And Steve used to say, he said, as you can imagine, a lot of people say like, whilst he was at Social Chain, him building his personal brand, is it a benefit? Is it not? Is it this? Is it that? And his argument always was that every single person in Social Chain is helped as a result. It makes everybody's job easier. So the recruiter trying to recruit people, their job is 10 times easier the salesperson trying to get new clients, their job is 10 times easier. The person doing the account management trying to retain the client, their job is 10 times easier. Like everybody's job is 10 times easier as a result of Stephen Bartlett going and doing his thing for social train. So you take that and apply it to like any business. It's like if you do it in the right way and with the right intentions, then yeah, for a business, it's a no-brainer. And you go back and ask, an agency from 40 years ago, whether whoever was the face that did this was a great idea, unequivocally, yes. But that's kind of got lost in the past five years of personal branding being a trend. I love that. That's such a good point. It's something that is not front and centre for me. It actually does help everyone in the business. I mean, you are a good speaker. I've seen you speak on stage. I bet as a result of speaking at some point, Ash, someone has come up to you and asked you, you know, to work with you, for example. What did you do? You put your message out there, you stood there and you told your story. And actually it breaks down that barrier. It's not you going out chasing new business and feeding your pipeline and prospecting to cold leads. It's, I mean, that's in a very fundamentally, you know, basic terms, but I love that message. And what else can you share about personal branding that perhaps isn't thought about? Because like you say, a lot of people have been put off by it. Do you know what's really funny? Everybody was doing it. Agency owners in particular, if you're an agency founder, 
you were doing personal branding in the first year, guaranteed, but you didn't think it was personal branding. Because what was every agency founder doing in their first year? Trying to go out and get the business off the ground. Like I had a great influence. The first year, all I, I anyone that would let me be on a podcast, anyone that would let me go speak on stage, all these things. And I was doing them with the hope that they would drive business. I wasn't even thinking about personal branding, but the outcome was the exact same. Like I'm trying to achieve certain outcomes and I'm using myself to drive those outcomes. There's no difference. But in that first year, I was using myself to drive the business outcomes as every agency founder does in the first Mm -hmm. year. Whether there's one, two, three of them, they're all going out and doing their thing, whatever that looks like to drive the business outcomes, them personally. And then they stop doing that because the business starts to get established and builds and things like that. So they stop doing those things they did in the first year. And I was talking to a founder the other day, not from an agency, from like product side, but he was saying that to me. And I was thinking it about a day before the meeting a completely different like train of thought. And then he said it, he was like, he's four years in and he's like, yeah, I want to pick up on personal branding now because it, you know, in the first year I did like PR and I was speaking and things like that. I was just trying to build business. And I was like, there it is. It's the same thing. You're going back to what you were doing day one. We're just terming it in a different way and approaching it in a different light. So yeah, the, the whole point of it is to be driving again. It's like, is it this kind of personal branding that people see and think it is, or is it this one that we're all smart about, which is trying to drive key outcomes and understanding what those key outcomes are. And yeah, in the first year, every agency owner did that thing where they used themselves to try drive key outcomes for business. So it's just going back to that school of thought. Love it. Really, really interesting stuff. Okay, let's move on because I'm just conscious of your time. I'd love to hear you're running Great Influence. It's very successful. You are, I think, almost five years in now. Yeah. yeah five years in. For those who are listening and responsible for client management, can you talk to us a little bit about how you manage your client relationships? Like I say, I think we're very fortunate in that due to the kind of work that we do, A, we have to get under the skin, so to speak, and they share things with us that they don't share with a lot of people. And, you know, you really get an understanding of how they think and where they've won, where they've lost, where they've got things wrong, where they've got things right, all this kind of thing. So I think that's like a very privileged position to be in from a how do you do client management because the majority of people won't get that depth of the client in the line of work that they do that we do. So yeah, and you know, you might, if your client, you know, you work with a client and they're running a brand, you might spend some time with the founder but then it's the rest of the team whereas we're just literally one-on-one all the time and we're talking with them near enough every single day so it's like mega touch points at deep levels at times as well so yeah and i'd say from like client management just what i think is important is we have 10 principles within our company culture and one of them is be the biggest fan which is making sure that we're a supporter of the people that we work with. That's the reason why we work with them is because we find them interesting. So why wouldn't we carry that through while we're working with them of like being the biggest supporter? And then we've got a bit of a focus at the minute of like trying to, again, another one of these 10 principles that we have a company culture is like make memories, which is like as a team, we prioritize making 
memories of the things that we do. So if we do something together, we try to make it like a bit special or an experience. And we tried to take that into like the client relationships where it's like, well, how can we take a meeting and make it a step further than that, which is closer to like a memory or an experience or something that I'll enjoy or all this kind of thing. And then the third is probably like standing out, like trying to stand out in what we do in terms of the touch points we have with them. And that's really minor from like sending them a personalized card, like the little touches like that of trying to stand out and find moments where we can stand out which is like whether it's their birthday or there's some date that we know about or something like this like how can we do something around that point to help us stand out from everybody else who is you know in their world you know brands have a lot of partners people that they're involved with and things like that how can we do something different that stands out i think those are the three things off the top of my head that i think we try to focus on here great tips there to be honest ash you know Oh, number four, if they have a PA or executive assistant, they're the most important people in the world. They're the keys. keys. Great tip. Great tip. If they've got PA, executive assistant, I think there's maybe a tendency that they can get overlooked, like Mm. EAs and PAs. And it's actually the opposite. Like in my experience, there's nobody that's closer to... That like say a CEO or something like this than their PA or EA and they play such immensely understated roles in their lives which if people knew they'd be literally blown away and I feel like it could be a thing that they get overlooked in the process like if you're in an agency and you're trying to deal with the you know you've got a relationship with the founder and they've got a PA you might go past the PA to go to the or just you know they're not as important that might happen honestly it can't be further from the truth. I'm 100% with you. And it reminds me of my days in advertising years ago when the secretaries used to receive better presents than anybody else, you know. So it's almost something that I think we've lost. But I just want to pick up on another couple of points you said. Being their biggest fan, I think one of the things that is sometimes overlooked by account managers is making sure they follow what their clients are doing on LinkedIn, for example, and engage with them because it's another opportunity for you to stay top of mind. Standing out, I remember that actually... Andrew Dobby was unboxing a big goodie bag that you'd sent him with great influence branded stuff. Yeah. So that was a cool move. And then I just want to ask you a question with this making memories, which is a brilliant idea, mm-hmm. turning meetings into experiences. Can you give any examples of where you've done that with clients? Yeah, I've, I've gone to Barry's with multiple people that we've worked with. So like Barry's the workout class, it's like hit class, 60 minute, it's brutal. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we've done, done those with a couple of clients. Love it. One of them was literally the meeting was in... It was were you in, talking like, business as you were punching? It was, yeah, it was in the, we went and did a gym workout and we're on like the, the rowers. So yeah, that was like our meeting was in the gym. Doing yeah. business. Love it. Love it. The modern day doing business. They used to be over a whiskey and a cigar, didn't it? In a kind of smoking yeah. room. Final question, Ash, just in terms of your understanding or your kind of perspective on the future of personal branding, where do you see it's going to go? I think it's getting more crowded. And so I kind of see it as similar to the X Factor, where you have that competition where like how many people enter the X Factor, maybe like 10,000, but really there's like max four good people. 
And that is what's happening within like personal branding right now is like 10,000 people are showing up because there's no barrier to entry at all. And the world is inviting them onto the stage. And so it's getting more crowded and therefore it's even more important to like make sure that you're standing out and doing it. And I think the people that are twofold, one, figure out how they can stand out in that crowd. And I think that comes from looking at what everybody is doing and going, right, how can I do something different? But actually, if the crowd all aren't good singers, the way to like stand out is to be a good singer. So take more time with the ideas that you're putting out into the world because you can't train being a good singer. You either are or not. It's very difficult to like gain that skill, but you can train like having better ideas and better thoughts and the art of like looking around your world and trying to distill something into a takeaway. You can train that. So in a world where there's like 10,000 awful singers, try to spend a bit more time being a better singer. I think he's a good one. And then look at what the rest of the internet is doing because there's a lag. There's a lag between everyone in business building a personal brand and internet creators building one. So the internet creators are at the very forefront of everything of how you do it well. And then behind them is like celebrities and high profile people. And then behind that is our crowd. So it's like, if you look at what those at the forefront are doing, again, that element of standing out in the crowd, like look at what internet creators are doing and see how they're building their brand and the kind of content they're doing and and how they're leveraging things. Like I've learned the most on personal branding from somebody like not in my circle from Mr. Beast, the YouTuber. Mm. he's on lex fridman's podcast this week and i've been watching that it's like three hours long i watched him on joe rogan i watched him on another thing everything that he says about how to build an audience and how to capture attention is like mind-blowing great tips there i have only just been introduced to mr beast i'm a little bit behind the times but wow one of the biggest youtubers if not the biggest youtuber in the world I know. And it's very kind of, you just get absorbed with it, don't you? So he's doing it so well. Great, great pieces of advice. And I also want to give a shout out to you and Claudia, actually, your CEO. What you do online really stands out for me as well. There's always like a huge amount of engagement because it is so different. So you both, I think, are great role models. Listen, Ash, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and also for sharing so many tips and insights and advice. Who would you like to be contacted by if there's someone listening? And what's the best way of getting in touch? Anyone. I'm always open to talking to everyone. I feel fortunate that someone would want to talk to me in the first place. So yeah, I'm Ash Jones on LinkedIn. It's like the best place to get me. Excellent. All right, Ash, thank you so much for your time. This has been brilliant. No, thank you. Yeah, it's been a really good conversation. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Ash and this has made you think about your own personal brand, whether you're an agency owner or agency account manager. And if you are an agency account manager and you've never received any formal training in account management, I'll leave you with one of my clients, Mia Burns, from the agency Considered. Mia is talking about the impact the Account Accelerator training had on her. I'll see you on the next one.
broadly speaking, I'm more confident and I feel like I'm approaching account management in a very different way. I feel like you've given me a new perspective on, on account management, how to approach it, what account managers are, how to imp how to look better as an account manager, how to look more senior, how to carry myself in conversations, how to sit back and relax, sort of reflect more than just immediately trying to find solutions. I think it's it's kind of twofold. It's the like macro and then the micro. It's like the, how I feel now as an account manager, how, how I feel differently about like the profession and how to approach account management, and then also all the little things that you've given me that I can implement. The how to even the business reviews or how to ask questions or how to um, uh, structure meetings or all these things I can implement but the bigger picture is confidence and feeling I understand the role of account managers far more.